You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. You are listening to a special news brief. I am Dinah Jansen here at CFRC 101.9 FM. I have Professor Myra Hurd, Professor of Environmental Studies here at Queen's University, also the Director of the Canada Waste Flow Program, a Queen's National Scholar and Fellow of the Royal Society of Canada in the virtual studio today. Hello, Myra. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. And really excited to be chatting with you today because there's been some big news in the media about uh, the federal government banning single-use plastics by the end of 2021, which is, wow, it's about time. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we'll be talking about that just in a moment. But to uh, just to provide a little bit of context for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the teaching and research you're doing at Queen's University? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, as I as you said, I'm a professor in environmental studies, and uh, I teach uh, courses in environmental studies. I teach courses in uh, theory. I teach about environmental disasters, and and my passion, which is waste studies. So I'm very fortunate to be able to teach the at, at what I'm very passionate about. So. Um, in terms of my research, I, I work with an incredible team of, of colleagues and, and graduate students and undergraduate students, and we've taken on uh, lots of different studies of waste issues across Canada, from, uh, from food waste to, to mining waste. To, uh, lots of different topics and really spread across Canada, including uh, including Canada's Arctic. Uh, we have projects going in Nunavut. So uh, really wide ranging issues across Canada to do with waste. And I'm I'm I direct this uh, wonderful team of of students and 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 colleagues. And uh, yeah, we we study waste. <laughs> awesome, and uh, we're so glad that you d- you and your team are doing so because we often uh, don't think about waste. Waste is something most of us just sort of try to put away or get rid of, and it's good to know that some people are actually paying attention to it. So thank you for your fine work. <laughs> um, so CFRC uh, has learned that on Wednesday, October 7th, the federal government has pledged to ban single-use plastics by 2021. Can you enlighten us about what's actually being banned and when? Right. Okay. Well, most of what's being banned is what's in the what in waste studies is called FSW or food service wear. So things like uh, grocery checkout bags, straws, uh, stir sticks that we would uh, get with our with our Tim's uh, uh, coffee. Um, uh, let's see the 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 packaging rings on uh, you know when you buy a six pack of beer the, the that plastic packaging there uh, yeah. plastic cutlery and also food takeout containers and particularly those um, you know sort of hard plastic uh, containers that we would get um, takeaway food in. 
Yeah, actually, those hard plastic ones, I tend to save those because you can use them over and over again. Uh, so that, and that, and still... that's good. Yeah. Reuse is, is, a, is, a, is a really good thing to do. <laughs> and which, we, which we do, too, but it's not often that we're getting takeout food in these kinds of containers anyway. But uh, yeah. oftentimes, too, we tend to get them in styrofoam containers. Are they still going to be a thing? Um, well, the, the government hasn't targeted uh, um, uh, uh, polystyrene or styrofoam um, as, of, as of yet in particular, but, um, but that's certainly on the horizon to, uh, that, that they will be looking at. This, this, will be a, um, this, is, this is going to be a stepwise rollout of, um, of single-use uh, article uh, bans. So, um, you know, the government is trying in a stepwise process to move us into a much more uh, sustainable situation with regard to with regard to our waste. So, um, polystyrene uh, is not on the on the current list, but it, it will be on a future list, I'm sure. Okay, well, that's good to know because I was going to ask if this ban was something of a surprise, given that you know we've been talking even in the public forum, we've been talking for quite a long time about why are we still using all of this stuff that nobody really wants and just ends up in landfills or rolling around in the streets and off more often than not. Uh, is it a big surprise or or has it actually been in the works for quite some time? Well, I think it's a surprise to anyone who's sort of not, uh, you know, not not sort of in on those conversations or isn't specifically following this in the news. But in terms for manufacturers, for retailers, um, etc., it's not a surprise because this has been this has been. Um, uh, on the horizon for quite some time. We know that countries like Germany um, have, have already declared these bans as of uh, earlier this year. Um, Germany banned single-use uh, um, products in, um, in June. Uh, June, July, that that time. So this is this is, will not come as a surprise, uh, certainly to to uh, retailers and to manufacturers who have known um, this that this was on the horizon for quite some time, um, and and retailers, manufacturers, etc., have been working on this already uh, for quite some time to try and come up with viable uh, viable options that they can that they can start to adopt. And there there's research that's been uh, underway for quite some time. At on on this, so it's not for for those sort of in in the circle that are going to have to make this shift. Uh, it's not a surprise at all. Okay, well, you've been talking about the retailers and manufacturers of of these particular single use products, but what about the consumers? So, if people still have these items, for example, in their private homes or uh, like a small business. What happens with these items after the ban date? For example, can a can a business still distribute stir sticks if they still have several thousand of them uh, back in their stockroom? Well, that's an excellent question, and I don't think the I don't think this I don't think this uh, legislation has gotten down into that sort of nitty gritty. I would think that whatever is already uh, you know has already been uh, purchased, um, it will uh, people will be able to use. Mm -hmm. Um, but it will mean it will mean that uh, there will you know there there won't be any more new purchases in that. So I would imagine that um, uh, retailers such as you know Starbucks, Tim Hortons, etc., will be able to um, use uh, use up what they've already got. Mm -hmm. um, 
which begs the question whether, you know, some businesses are sort of stockpiling in order to sort of use that sort of loophole uh, before the ban actually comes in. Will they sort of stockpile um, in order to, uh, you know, have enough stock to um, to then sort of delay when they actually have to start uh, using new materials. But yeah, people, it won't, it won't be the case. The government, I'm sure, isn't, although I haven't read anything specifically that the government has said to address this particular thing, I, I, I can't imagine that the government um, is expecting us to put all of that stuff uh, into the garbage. I guess not, um, eh? and, and to start, and to start fresh, because that would completely undo um, the objective of this, of this legislation. <laughs> You may as well use the products after, as opposed to just throwing them in the landfill. Indeed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because because yeah, because then it would be it wouldn't be single use. Uh, it would be no use. Um. Yes, indeed. Okay, so uh, as a follow up to that, then um, aside from just stockpiling because uh, an aversion to moving to a, a new type of single use item uh, by a particular business, for example, are we looking at uh, higher cost margins here for businesses? So uh, are businesses potentially going to be a little bit ambivalent about making purchases because the cost may in fact be higher? Mm-hmm. Well, this is an excellent question, and it's one of the. It, this is one of the um, what I like to call the devil is in the detail when it comes to waste, and this is one of the key things. So, who is going to bear the cost of uh, of moving to other products? First of all, how much are those other? What are those other products going to be? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be better for the environment? Um, how are they going to be disposed of or recycled? And who is going to pay for the cost of this transition? If you can, if you think of a of a large, large retailer like large chain grocery stores, for instance, they um, they are able to negotiate um, really um, you know better contracts in terms of you know because they can buy in such bulk from manufacturers. The smaller you know, the smaller the business. The, the the more difficult it is to buy in those in that kind of large large bulk. So if you think of the sort of the the small family run uh, restaurant that is at the end of your street or something like that, um, they they have a lot less scope to buy in bulk to bring to bring the prices of of these containers down um, as opposed to very large you know restaurant chains or uh, grocery stores etc so the question of course is who's going to bear the cost of this we know from history that when um, for instance recycling um, programs have been put in place uh, those sorts of things and in other contexts the, the 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 burden the cost burden has always been uh, externalized as we say onto consumers and ultimately consumers pay more so one of the big questions that um, that we need to be asking and we need to be uh, asking for direction from government mm-hmm. is to what degree will the the costs of this transition which I think from an environmental perspective is a, is a good it's a it's a it's a no brainer. It's a good it's a good um, initiative, but who's going to bear the cost? Because if it's if it's going to be consumers, then it sets up once again a two tier system where consumers with the economic power to uh, to um, you know buy these things will be able to, and the consumer who who does not have that um, economic advantage 
uh, will will face a greater crunch than than they already do. So I will I want to see manufacturers um, and big retailers um, bearing the, the bearing the cost of this and it not being placed onto um, not not being placed onto consumers. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a question of, you know, again, the devil is in the details in terms of, if we take straws, for instance. So there's already been, um, there's already been, um, you know, people have talked about this before, and I think it's really important for us to, to think about um, that there are, you know, for, for, some, for some members of our communities, people with disabilities, straws are extremely important in terms of accessibility. And so there are going to need to be um, provisions uh, put in place for, uh, for, the, for, our, for our members of our community who, who will need, um, who, who need access to, um, to things like um, single-use straws. So there, there's a caveat there that, again, is a detail that will really need to be paid attention to um, such that uh, people who are already um, you know, disadvantaged in society are not further disadvantaged from this initiative. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, now, I wonder, I saw uh, today that Tony Walker, who is an assistant professor at Dalhousie University at the School for Resource and Environmental Studies. Uh, yep, he, Tony and I work together. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, he told CBC's Mark Gollum uh, this morning, October 9th, the single-use plastics ban may also have not-so-friendly environmental consequences. You've raised the issue of problems that we haven't really thought about, maybe in terms of uh, accessibility. Again, the devil in the details, as you've mentioned a couple of times. But now we have this idea of environmental consequences. Um, so what are plastics going to be replaced by, and what might the consequences of these be? Can you fill us in about what these might be? Yes. Well, this is a. It's, it's really great that uh, that uh, Dr. Walker, um, uh, you know, raised this because this is really central, and it's one of the most essential devil in the detail aspects. And it's something that I teach, and it's something. It's, it's one of the core areas of my research. So, looking at the environmental costs of uh, of recycling. We've very much, I certainly belong to the generation where we were taught that recycling was the solution to waste. And, you know, that we, we've been encouraged to really embrace, um, diversion in the form of recycling. And we've had educational programs and our uh, city council talks about increasing our, uh, diversion rate, um, you know, to 65% or, or even beyond that make us the, you know, quote, most sustainable city in Canada, um, you know, here in Kingston. And we, um, and, and, and so we've been really, really, really um, sort of educated to believe that recycling is really great for the environment. But it turns out that recycling is a much more complicated, <laughs> uh, com- complicated thing. And it depends, there, it, it actually depends on a lot of things. So, for instance, to recycle something, you have to have the infrastructure to recycle it. And, for instance, in Kingston, we do not have the uh, infrastructure to recycle. We don't have the infrastructure to dispose of. So 100% of the waste uh, and recycling that we're generating in Kingston is being transported using trucks, that means using non-renewable fossil fuels, sometimes great distances for something to be recycled. 
polystyrene, which you mentioned earlier, that's a, 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 an excellent example. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can put polystyrene in our recycling bin and the Kingston Area Recycling Centre will certainly take it. And then it gets shipped to Indianapolis. Which is over Indianapolis? Thousand, yeah, which is over <laughs> wow. a thousand a thousand kilometers away, and that's that's and that's where um, the polystyrene goes undergoes its first chemical reprocessing to make it into other products, and that chemical reprocessing creates uh, toxic waste um, that is difficult to difficult to dispose of. So um, oh. recycling recycling itself creates waste because it's it it, it, in, it involves chemical reprocessing um it recycling can often mean transporting uh these these things whether it's plastics or polystyrene or metals etc long distances far away which is increasing our carbon footprint which is very bad for uh, global warming Four products that will be of inferior quality because when we recycle things, we, we, we degrade, we, we degrade them in a material sense. And so we're creating products that we might not, we might get one more use out of for then, for us to then put them in the garbage for us to then landfill them. So depending on what it is we're talking about, Recycling can actually be worse for the environment, and there's there are some extremely important research that is being generated really around the world, um, but some of it right here in Canada, that is looking at what we call the a life cycle analysis, which means where where you take the environmental costs of a product from its very beginning to its end of life, where it's going to go, uh, where it's going to go into a landfill or an incinerator or whatever. And we look at the environmental cost of each stage of the life of that, of that product. And um, it's very clear that the most of the environmental cost occurs before consumers ever see that product. Before we walk down our grocery store aisles and we're looking at products to buy, um, the environmental cost of the production of that thing <laughs> It, it, most of that environmental cost comes before consumers ever touch that product. But then after, when if we put something into recycling or if we put something into disposal, if we're thinking solely from an environmental perspective, it's often better to put it into disposal than into recycling. So it all it 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 really depends to move us back into the food service where in this plas- this single use plastic ban, we've got to really think about what are we going to use to replace these things? What is going to replace our food takeout containers? What is going to replace our plastic cutlery, etc.? And depending on what replaces it, it may or may not uh, be better for the environment. Oh, gosh, yeah. what a quandary. Oh, boy. It is. It is. Waste is is a very complicated thing. If you if you you know excuse my pun, dig down a little, uh, <laughs> it quick it, it quickly becomes really complicated. It, it becomes very challenging. But that you know it's it's that it's that challenge that us waste studies people really like. Um, so is this why historically people again with a pun sweep this stuff under the rug? This is it. Well, you know, to be fair to everyone, I mean, waste is a is a very mundane thing. We sort of touch waste every day in this what we put in the in the garbage, what we put in the recycling, etc. And the system is such that, you know, so, you know, our responsibility begins and ends with sorting that stuff out and then putting it at the end of our driveway or putting it down our apartment building chute, you know. And then and then we're we we're in a system in which we're sort of encouraged to forget about it, you know, out of sight, out of mind. 
but you know but there is a life after once we've put it in the bin and that bin's been uh you know whisked away um there is a whole life there um that uh, of what happens to those things afterwards and they and it has environmental costs okay well thank you for that um so what are the sustainable alternatives then if these are known to single use plastics and if the sustainable alternatives are not in fact known yet what does the process look like at arriving at such an answer? What factors are involved in identifying sustainable solutions for, for folks like you that are invested in this in terms of actual research? Well, excellent, excellent question. I mean, the, the overall, the, 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 the clear and simple answer to, to, to that question is that we really need to uh, refocus ourselves on reduction and reuse. This is absolutely the sort of no-brainer answer to, to, the, to our waste crisis. We need to find ways to reduce our waste. We need to find ways to reuse things, refurbish things, so that we are consuming, so that we're producing less, and then we're consuming less. So we have... We have far too much production and we have far too much consumption. So, um, but let's say we could reduce in, in a perfect world, we reduce such, and we have a, we have a zero waste economy so that we have no, we don't produce any waste. Let's just say in a, in a rather fantasy world, that would be the case. We still have to deal with all the waste we already have. So, um, Mm -hmm. so, um, so then it becomes if, if once we have exhausted our ability to reduce and we've exhausted our ability to reuse and and you know so for instance in terms of food service where I know that um, I know that a number of large retailers are looking at ways to um, to uh, implement a reusable container system for instance for grocery stores etc and if we look to Europe you know countries like um, Germany are far ahead. Scandinavian countries who have already in, implemented this sort of where people bring in their own, con- you know, bring in containers that they buy, they pay a deposit on, um, you know, and you get um, like uh, Limestone Creamery is doing this on a on a very small scale already in Kingston with regard to to dairy products. Yeah, so it'd be, mm-hmm. it would be that yeah. that sort of thing uh, ratcheted up to, on a grand scale again. Um, we have we we really need to pay attention to whether this is going to create uh, an even further sort of um, uh, you know those with economic advantage can afford this and those without economic advantage cannot. So we have to really pay attention to what kind of costs. But then we have to think about you know if we're if we're using other types of products, ones that um, you know we there are a lot of there are, there's a lot of research going into uh, things like um, bio. Um, bio-based products, um, compostable products, biodegradable products. There is a lot. There is a lot of testing being done right now um, in Canada, but uh, but in other countries as well, looking into the viability and the environmental um, as well as economic, etc., costs of um, of um, products being made out of these different materials. All right. Wow. So much to think about. Oh, goodness me. Um, so with and with time to think, maybe, and time to plan, what should members of the general public, let alone 
the business owners, small and large, what should they be doing in advance to ultimately prepare for this ban happening at the end of 2021? Well, um, you know, I think I think retailers are are are. Um, you know, I think I think many retailers are really sort of ahead of the game here, and that they've known that this is coming for quite some time. And we have, you know, for instance, Ontario, the Ontario government put out reports like Beyond the Blue Box, which really talks about this explicitly, amongst other things. So, you know, retailers, etc., have known about this for a while, and I and I and I do know firsthand that that um, uh, you know certain retailers for sure are are already well on their way to um to coming up with um you know viable alternatives and they're doing that kind of testing now and they're and they're really um you know they're they're doing the work that they that they have to do because they've known about this um i think that they're uh i think it will be very helpful for uh the government um to identify best some best practices that for instance, smaller um, smaller retailers, etc., can uh, can look to for models that they can uh, adapt to, etc. Um, I think that uh, I think that it's very important that there is a follow up to this. That it's it's one thing to sort of announce this ban, um, but there needs to be quite a lot of follow up so that um, everyone can really can really get on board. And we have to really have these conversations, these public conversations, like in this radio. <laughs> Uh, program, for instance, which is so great because we really need to, as as consumers um, and uh, and really as citizens to be really thinking about um, what what's coming next and what are the environmental advantages and disadvantages, not just the economic advantages and disadvantages, but what are really the the environmental advantages and disadvantages to whatever uh, whatever um, replacements. Uh, are going to come into effect, and we'll see a variety of, play, of replacements. Right? It's not that everyone is going to adopt wholesale the exact same thing. So there's going to be a variety, and we're going to need to have a lot of education around um, what these things mean. There's a lot of confusion right now. Research shows that there's a lot of confusion around what's the difference between bio-based, biodegradable, compostable, etc. So we're going to need a lot of we're going to need a lot of uh, clarification and education around that. Okay. Well, thank you. I wonder if you can perhaps direct some of our non-specialist uh, listeners to um, maybe some books or online resources out there where we can actually learn more about uh, these questions about waste and where it goes, especially that where we were talking about what happens in the recycling process and how these processes may in fact be more uh, detrimental to the environment than actually just throwing it in a in a dump. Where can we find more? Um, well, I I think you've unwittingly um, given me a bit of a, <laughs> given me a bit of an op here because I've got a book coming out called Canada's Waste Flows, um, and it will be out uh, it, it'll be out uh, in the new year, so it'll be out soon, and it really gives details about everything we've talked about today. Um, I've discussed I've discussed in this book. So if you don't mind me giving a little bit of a, of a selfish plug, plug on away, program, shamelessly. <laughs> um, it, it's being produced, it's being uh, published by McGill Queens University Press. Um, and it's, uh, it's in the final stages of, of uh, the in press process right now. It will be out in 2021. It's called Canada's Waste Flows. And so there will be, a, there's a lot of information in there about the pros and cons of their cycling and what our alternatives are. There are also some, um, there are also some great organizations. There's an organization called um, Right on Canada, 
which is uh, directed by Kathleen Ruff, and she has been working tirelessly to um, to address um, waste exportation, can- the way that Canada ex- has been exporting a lot of our waste and our recycling. So um, that they have a website, and it, it ha- and that website has a lot of links to. Um, issues around uh, recycling, etc. Also, Greenpeace Canada uh, has information about uh, recycling, etc. Um, and there, there are there are there are other uh, sources that people uh, that pe- people can go to if they if they sort of just Google. Um, environmental costs of recycling. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to talking to you again when your book comes out with McGill Queen's University Press. Oh, that would be that would be great. I would love it. <laughs> so, have you any other comments about the? Band? Well, I think that it's. I think that it's uh, as you as you said, it's been a long time coming. I I I I hope very much that it is part of a stepwise plan to um, to cure our country of uh, of the waste crisis that we are in, and that it is an opportunity for us to really talk about and think more about the waste that we generate and how we can really meaningfully solve this crisis that we're in. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, we have been talking to Professor Myra Hurd in the Department of Environmental Studies here at Queen's University. And we've been talking about the uh, October 7th federal government ban of single-use plastics by the end of 2021. Professor Hurd, thank you so much for uh, sharing these insights, these important insights uh, for our listeners today. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. 